Friends, it's such a joy to be able to share with you in this uh, season after Easter as we look at the early church and the difference Easter made and how others looked at them and the joy and the gratitude with which they lived. And they said, you're turning the world upside down. This is so different from what we see elsewhere. Uh, And today our church continues in that legacy, in that tradition, in that mission to turn the world upside down with the love of Jesus Christ. And we want to share with you uh, some of the ways and some of the leaders who are going to be helping us do that in the next year as uh, if we're going to take just a moment today many of you know that our senior pastor Larry Trotter decided a year ago that he would be retiring uh, at the end of this June so I want on your calendars I want everybody to write June 11th Larry celebration Sunday and Larry is very clear we are not celebrating his retirement we are celebrating his ministry uh, and we're so thankful for his, his ministry among us. It, he leaves just an unbelievable legacy. As we do so, we're preparing for next year. And we've spent the last year preparing to restructure ourselves because Larry was not over only our senior pastor, but if you've been here with us, you know he was also our primary worship leader here in this service. And I'm here to tell you today, there's some good news and there's some bad news. First, the bad news. My voice and guitar lessons have not gone as hoped. (laughs) All right. Now, some of you might disagree and be like, that's good news. That is good news. So, so we've, we've been restructuring. It was announced a year ago that I would move into the position of senior pastor. And I want to share with you some of our pastoral leaders for next year. I'm going to ask Reverend Brooke Hartman and Reverend Sabina Collins to come uh, and join uh, me on stage now. Uh, they're, they're both uh, amazing pastors uh, that I have the, the blessing to, to get to work with each day that you have the blessing uh, to get to interact with at our church. Uh, Reverend Hartman has been with us for almost two years now, came to us as our pastor of discipleship. She continues that work overseeing small groups and our, how we seek to grow in faith uh, together. In the last year, she's taken on increasing uh, ministries and oversight of making sure Uh, All our core ministries are are coordinated. Uh, And I want to share with you uh, that with the unanimous approval of our staff parish committee uh, and the support of uh, so many who who are involved here, just so enthusiastically, uh, Reverend Hartman is going to be our other primary Sunday morning preacher beginning in July. We're so thankful for Pastor Brooke. She's made a tremendous difference in the life of our church. And we're so thankful for Pastor Sabina. Uh, Sabina came to us this year, although you know her, she's been with us for decades. Uh, but in a, as a worshiper, uh, and uh, she's worked as a business consultant. A few years back, she felt God calling her uh, out of business consulting into uh, pursuing ordained ministry. She wasn't sure what that looked like as she completed her seminary studies. We worked with another ministry in town, and for the past year, she's been serving 10 hours a week here at Concord United Methodist Church as our administrative coordinator and she's also been serving 30 hours a week at Susanna's house an incredible ministry uh, for uh, mothers who are seeking to uh, leave substance abuse behind as they care for their young children and so thankful for her and her ministry Uh, I'm I want to share uh, with you that uh, today uh, we're here to announce uh, that beginning in uh, July 1 uh, Pastor Sabina will become our full-time administrative pastor We're very thankful for you. And if you know her, you know she has an unbelievable 
giftedness. I'm kind of someone who dreams big dreams, sees big big visions, uh, and uh, doesn't always have a plan for how we get there. Uh, it, you know, I, I'm good at the big vision, the details. I'm, you know, if my wife were here, she'd be like, amen, amen, <laughs> help him, Lord. Uh, well, uh, the, what, what I found just in working with Sabina for the last year is that if I were to stand up and say, guys, we're going to charge the gates of hell with a water pistol, Sabina would say, Will, I've got a five to 10 year plan to build us an arsenal of fire trucks. And I've got 243 steps that will lead us along that plan. And I have them timelined and I've got them printed out and we're gonna put them on the wall and we're gonna check them off. And I'll tell you, we did some visioning as a church and one of the things that we felt was the most crucial uh, to our ability, we've grown more in the last year than we've grown in the last 10. It's been amazing. And one of the things that is so crucial to us to continue reaching out to our community is that we know how to follow through on the dreams and visions that God is giving us. Sabina brings that and so much more to our staff. So we're so thankful for you. And will you uh, once more give these two amazing pastors a hand? And now they will journey to the traditional service uh, to, to share the, the same announcement. As we uh, continue today to think about how God gives us vision, I, I do want to let you know the vision for uh, all our, our ministry leaders in, in worship and throughout the church. This is the first announcement. There will be several more that we'll share with you exactly uh, who's giving leadership where. And I'm so excited about the, the team that, that's in place for, for next year and that, that's getting in place. Well, we look at the early church and how they turned the world upside down. And they turned the world upside down, as uh, Dr. John Hunt shared with us in the video, by seeing the world differently, right? That they saw it differently, so, so they, they lived differently. And, and they saw it, and it, it was amazing, and it helped other people see all these things they'd, they'd never seen before. Have any of you ever seen one of those videos where they give someone who's colorblind those glasses, right and they've developed these glasses and if you're colorblind for certain types of colorblindness at least suddenly you see the colors and, and you see them put put it on and you just see their face you know this look of awe and, and wonder and especially if if it's a child uh, you just see oh my goodness there's all this in the world and I never knew it I never knew it could be so beautiful I never knew it could be so vibrant I, I never even knew that existed and it's been right here in front of me all this time what what the early church did is they they said this, this God this God's a God of love and this God's a God of grace and he's been here all the time and what people were thinking about who God was and how God wanted them to, to live in the world this was so different and and so radical uh, that people just started coming out of the woodwork and say, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that. I, I, I want to be a part of that. It, it, was, it was very different. And it's still very different uh, from what we hear in, in a lot of places uh, in, in our world. It's still very different from a, a life where our identity is just based on how much we have or how good we are at, at certain things uh, or uh, it, our, where our life is centered around, I just got to get by. You know, it, it's not very good. I just got to get by. Uh, that. God has so much more in store and it's important that we keep our eyes on that so I want to encourage you uh, the best way I know to keep our eyes on that uncommon vision is each day for all of us to be reading our Bible and praying together. If you don't already do so, I want to encourage you, we have a printed out Bible reading plan, it's at the information center in the lobby, you can also get it 
at concordunited.org slash Bible. There at concordunited.org slash Bible, not only will you find the daily Bible reading plan, you'll find a daily devotion. You can get it in podcast form. You can get it emailed to you every day. It's gonna take you a little deeper into the scriptures, help you make meaning and, and see how they apply to your life. And then it's gonna help you have a prayer focus for that day. Would really encourage you. In fact, there's nothing I could encourage you more to do than to do that, to grow in your faith and, and into being able to, to see the world as God created created it and our lives for the pur- seeing the purpose of our lives as what God created it to be and part of that is we we can see these vibrant colors we see this beauty we didn't see before part of that is also the humility to see that sometimes when we see clearly we see that there are things in our lives and in our world that aren't what they need to be there's sin in our life Uh, there's immorality and ugliness in our world and we need to be a part of seeking to to root that out if we're going to follow Jesus Christ you know seeing sometimes uh, shows us in addition to colors things we'd rather not see I remember one of my grandmothers had cataract surgery and she had this surgery and and it went well and afterwards we saw her for the first time and we wanted to know hey you know what what's it like now what 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 do you see more in her house she had these beautiful oriental rugs and she talked about she could appreciate them them again and the the intricate patterns and colors but then she said this she goes you know the biggest thing I noticed and we said what she said my house is so dusty I had no idea now I'm going to have to be better about cleaning it she saw she saw not just what was beautiful but when she could see clearly she also saw what was out of place and that's that's how it is for us but the task is so important even at the risk of seeing some things in ourselves and in our world and recognizing them for for not being what they should be and the difficulty that 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 can can bring to us we must embark upon this task of seeing as God sees because to love as God loves you must see as God sees that's the only way to do it you can never love as God loves until you see as God sees and it was by doing this uh, that uh, made the early church so much different that in Acts chapter 17 verse 6 the opponents of the early church uh, they said these people are turning the world upside down everything we thought uh, was good and right and the way you're supposed to to do things not not the case not the case and there are things like that in this world there are people in this world right now they're not bad people but they're doing things that really harm others because they think it's right and they need a community that comes in and shows them what love really is some of us uh, have had to acknowledge that in, in, in our lives not just that we've intentionally harmed people but sometimes we've unintentionally done so. When, when we, th- we thought we were helping, we were, we were trying, we, we've got to see as God sees if we're gonna lo- learn to love as God loves. Now, here's uh, directly from, from the book of Acts a little bit about what made the early church different, how it looked in it, its earliest days. And to give you a brief ti- timeline, uh, there was Easter and Jesus was raised from the dead. And then he began appearing to his disciples and he had a body that they could touch uh, but it was a body that no longer was bound by the laws of physics he would appear they would talk to him they would touch him he would disappear he would appear again they talked to him they'd touch him he'd disappear until the day when he ascended to the father and when he ascended into heaven he told them he said go wait for me 
wait for me in Jerusalem. And they were waiting in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost uh, was a celebration uh, within the, the Jewish calendar. And on that day, tongues of fire came down from the Holy Spirit and they began uh, speaking in different languages. Now, when we hear about tongues of fire and speaking in tongues, we often think, well, that's kind of uh, God-inspired babbling right? And there should be someone there who is inspired by God to interpret what it means. That's in the New Testament too. Uh, that's, that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here at Pentecost is the Holy Spirit coming and inspiring these people who knew Jesus to share the good news of him in foreign languages, real languages spoken by real people groups in their area, uh, foreign languages that they had never studied. Now, when I was in high school, I took two years of French, when I was in college, I took two years of Spanish. When I was in seminary, I took two semesters of Greek. I can speak zero of any of those languages. If I could say something helpful to the high school students here today, if I could do anything different, I'd just take Spanish from the very beginning. And that, that, that would be it. Uh, but what that gave me an appreciation for is how difficult it is to speak a foreign language and how miraculous it is that this occurred, that they just started speaking and telling in, in languages they had never studied. There's, there's no way this could have just randomly happened. And, and there's no way we could expect a bunch of former fishermen uh, to somehow know all the different languages that were represented in Jerusalem uh, at that time. Well, after that, people were so attracted to this message that they heard of uh, Jesus and who God was uh, that thousands of people began following and listening uh, and sharing in what was the very first church there in Jerusalem. Here's a description of it, uh, beginning with Acts 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So what, what do we see there? Uh, what we see is they're, they're living very differently than you might expect. Uh, they, what, they were joyfully gathering together. And they lived in a time uh, where people were very much fighting against each other. And yet they focused on coming together rather than, than fight, fighting against. It, in an age of division and demonization, the early church focused on devotion and unity. That's, that's what they were focused on. And when we think about uh, division and demonization, we know that goes on in our culture today. Well, it was very much a part of their culture back then. Uh, they were Jewish. And the Jews had people groups all around them that they didn't like one bit. They didn't like the Romans. Uh, the Romans were the empire that had taken over. The Jews were no longer a sovereign state. They didn't get to govern their own land. They didn't get to make their own rules and policies without the, the blessings of big brother Rome. Uh, and uh, whenever they got a little bit out of line, the Roman soldiers came in uh, and made sure they got back into line. And nobody, nobody liked that at all. And Rome could raise taxes whenever Rome wanted to, to raise taxes. Uh, they're, they're, this was taxation without representation. We know how mad that gets people, right? So 
they, they had this, this going on. They also had these other people who lived north of them called the Samaritans. They didn't care for them. Uh, the Samaritans held some Jewish beliefs, but also some beliefs taken from areas around Syria about, about God. And the Jews saw them as having given up on the one true God. And the, the Jews didn't want, want a thing in the world to do with them. And then there were divisions within the Jews. Within the Jews, there were different groups of Jews. Uh, there were the Zealots, and the Zealots uh, were so opposed to the Roman oppressors uh, that they were violently working to overthrow Rome with what we would call terrorist tactics of carrying out secret assassinations of Roman officials. Then you had the Sadducees, and the Sadducees uh, were working with the Romans because what the Sadducees really cared about was political power and policy, uh, and so they were involved in some of the religious things, but, but they didn't the Sadducees didn't even really believe in eternal life. They didn't believe that strongly in God. Uh, but back then, the separation of religion and government just wasn't a thing. So they got involved in the temple, but, but they, they were the political leaders, and they were always trying to get in good with Rome uh, so that they could kind of climb the ladder uh, and get more power. And then you had the Pharisees, and the Pharisees get a bad rap often in the Gospels, uh, but perhaps uh, they, they were very well-meaning. They were people who... Their job was to help people take their faith in God and practically apply it to their life. And so the reason they have so many conversations with Jesus is because they're playing the same ball game as Jesus, right? Uh, they're, they're involved in the same business. It's just Jesus is trying to tell them, hey, I appreciate what you're trying to do, but there's a better way to do it. But this is how God is, and this is what God really wants. And many times the Pharisees are saying, no, 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 we, we can't accept that. This is what we were taught God is. And the, these groups didn't, didn't always get along. Then there was another group. Uh, they, they, were, they were the Essenes. And have you ever been in a group of people, uh, like, you sit down, and you, like, walk into a room, and there's, like, a big table in the room for everybody to sit around. And then in the corner, there are just, like, some stairs sitting there and stacked up. Like... You ever, you know the person who like just goes over and sits in the chair in the corner, you know, away from the table? That's the Essenes. They're like, you know what? We're just going to go to the wilderness. Like this world is so corrupt. We don't really want anything to do with, with any of y'all. We're going to go to the wilderness, worship God. We're going to go sit in the chair in the corner. Uh, not because somebody put us here, because we wanted to go here. Well, uh, all these groups didn't get along with each other. All these groups often fought, fought against each other and battled each, each other for power and, and demonized each other. And yet here, here come the Christians. And what, what, do, what do they focus, focus on? Uh, they focus on what, what we're told. Listen, the very first thing it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to learning more about, from those who actually knew Jesus, about who Jesus was, what he did, and what he taught. Uh, they devoted themselves to fellowship to caring for one another, befriending one another, to the breaking of bread, to eating together. Have you ever noticed how important eating together is? Uh, we just had new people join the church, and it's funny, whenever new people join the church, I always uh, talk to folks or when people are visiting the church and I get to know them, and I'll say, hey, tell me about your experience when you first started coming here, or tell me about what brought you here. And if they say to me, you know, I came and I visited, and somebody invited me to lunch, and I went out to lunch with them, I'm like, oh, we got you. Like, uh, you're, you're going to join the church. Like, it's, it's just going to happen. That's, those are the relationships that happen. You know, you know how food is. It, it just brings us t together. Uh, and then the prayers. They're, they're praying every day. When I, I know, you all know me. 
you know three and a half minutes into every sermon I'm going to tell you to read your Bible and pray every week right that that's that's not unintentional Uh, that's because it's right here right it's right here they devoted themselves to praying both individually and and praying together they they focused on devotion and they focused on unity listen listen to what comes next in uh, verse 44 all who believed were together and had all things in common they would sell their possessions and good and give as as any had need Uh, they they were unified Uh, they were they were caring for one another. They were more concerned about what brought them together than what was pulling them apart. And this was so different. Again, so different. This age of division and demonization. And so much of what goes on in our culture is division and demonization. And we as the church are supposed to be about devotion and unity, about turning this division and demonization upside down. And if you look at how Jesus gets shared and talked about sometimes in our culture, sometimes people use Jesus and well-meaning people who I honestly think are trying their very best to do what they think is right. But they use Jesus as a tool. And Jesus becomes a tool Uh, for you know their political agenda or Jesus becomes a tool that they try to use to build prosperity well Jesus isn't supposed to be a tool for prosperity in politics Jesus is the whole point himself Uh, what the Bible teaches is that Jesus is above every other thing Jesus isn't here uh, just to help us accomplish some other thing Jesus is the thing and the goal of the Christian life is to know God it's not to acquire a lot of stuff It's not to get our political uh, agenda approved. It's to know God and everything else. And I believe God cares about politics. And I believe God cares about us having enough to provide for our families. I think God cares about all of that. But all of that other stuff are happy byproducts of what it means to know God. And if all that other stuff were taken away and you still knew God, you'd have enough. And if you had all that other stuff as much as you could ever want of it and you didn't have God, it wouldn't be enough and it couldn't ever fulfill you. It, it just couldn't. So in the early church, what they, they focused on? Devotion and unity. And not only that, but they lived in a difficult season. They lived in a season when they were persecuted. From the very beginning, the, the Romans weren't real cool and the Jewish leadership, they weren't real cool with this idea that Jesus was alive and this idea that people uh, should follow somebody who was crucified for treason to Rome and th- these people who should follow somebody uh, who was convicted of heresy by, by the Jewish religious leaders. No, uh, they, they, they weren't cool with that. And yet, uh, even though it was dangerous to be a Christian back then, in a season of persecution and peril, the early church focused on gratitude and generosity. Let's, let's, let's go on. It says, day by day as they spent much time together in the temple, this is verse 46, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts. Glad and generous. And not just were they happy to be together to have food, but they were generous. Uh, we, we just read earlier that uh, they had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods uh, and give the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, as we study what we can discern historically about the early church from, from records that we have and the letters that were written. Uh, we, we're not taught, sometimes we get the sense that they were kind of like what we 
call a monastery today, you know, where people literally sell all their worldly possessions uh, and they go and all the, uh, the resources are kept in, in an organizational bank account. That, that's not what they're talking about here. They're talking about something much more practical. They, they still had uh, individual possessions. But what they're talking about was when there was a need, if it was a legitimate need, they'd sell those possessions and they'd take care of it, right? They would sell those possessions and, and, and they, they would take care of it, and even to the point of selling property in order to provide for others who, who were in need. And, and that, that seems so radical, but you know what? You do that. You do that all the time. When Eight years ago, when I was just about to be appointed to this church, I, I, ma- I made it a point and I had lunch with about uh, five people who were either currently pastors here or who were retired pastors from this church. And I said, tell me everything you know about Concord United Methodist Church. You know what they told me? Uh, to, to a person, every one of them on their own without me prompting them at some point said this. They said, Will, if there is a need, all you have to do is let the people know. You just let them know. And if it is a legitimate need, they will come out of the woodwork and they will support it. And you might not be sure how you're going to find the resources to take care of it, but I promise you they will. Just make sure you tell them because they will do it. That describes Concord and that describes the early church. That's the unbroken line of what we're supposed to to be all about. Glad and and generous, uh, thankful. Since I've been here, I've had people come in my office and say, I just sold a piece of property. I, I've got some resources. I want to bless somebody. What are the needs? Well, what's, what's right here? They, they would sell, sell their possessions, even, even pieces of property, right? Distribute to, to those. You're, you're still a part of that today. St- still a part of that. That, that goes, goes all, the, all the way back of this focus on gratitude and generosity that, that we need, that we have to be a part of. I want to tell you, if you ever go to Savannah, Georgia, there's a church I want you to go there. It's on, on one of the main, main squares. It's a, a historic black church. In fact, it's one of the first churches in the colonies uh, that was built by slaves. And many of the slaves that built that church uh, for, for themselves, uh, they built it um, with the money that they had saved to purchase their own freedom. Holy cow. That generous. Because people needed the gospel even more than they needed freedom holy cow that's oh my like i i would have been like well maybe maybe you could escape up north and then you could build a church but they're like no some people can't escape we we should build it now and they they couldn't afford nails so they built it with wood pegs and that's why it's still standing Uh, because when storms come wood pegs get stronger nails pull apart and it's this incredible construction. If you go in, you'll also see on the floor, there are holes drilled in the floor in the shape of a cross. You, you know why they did that? So that when the authorities came into their church, they could say, look, our, our floor reminds us of Jesus. And so they could hide people in the Underground Railroad in that floor as they were getting people to freedom. They, they took money that they could have used for themselves and they said, there's a need. They had a need, but oh my goodness, that's, that's what Jesus will do. Turn, turn the world uh, up, upside down. And I, I want you to know today what the world wants from you. The world actually, contrary to popular opinion, the world wants you to be a Christian. 
the, the world may not agree with you uh, about everything, but the world wants you to live on your, out your beliefs. We see this in the early church. Uh, again, uh, verse 47, uh, it says, they were praising God and having the good will of all the people. Now, how do we understand that? Because they're being persecuted, but they had the goodwill of all the people. Well, it's, that doesn't mean like everybody was cool with them. It didn't mean all the authorities was cool with them. It meant the people who knew them and who saw what they were doing had admiration and respect for, for who they were. And this helped add so many people to, to their number. It's kind of like, there's a man I know, he's a retired math professor. Before he became a math professor as a young man, grew up in, in the country, small town, joined the Navy, uh, met guys from all over the country, and then he was sent to Japan. And he was in Japan a couple years. He said, actually, uh, this, this was, I believe, in the 60s. He said, I had a job where I got to go out and I got to meet a lot of the, the Japanese people. And he said, so, so I hadn't really talked to many people uh, outside of my county. And then suddenly, uh, I'm here with people from all over the country uh, in a Pacific country halfway across the world. And I said, what, what do you think of the, the Japanese people? He said, well, I heard a lot of bad things before I came. And then, then he said this. He said, but you know what? I actually got to eat in some of their homes. And he said, those people respect their elders. And those people are committed to their family. And those people are hard workers. And he just said, Will, they're good people. Now, he didn't believe religiously like most of the people who invited him in, in, into their homes. But he saw something that caused him to, to respect them, to admire them. Uh, well, that's kind of like the early church. Uh, the, the people didn't always agree with him, but they said, boy, those people have something. Boy, I want, I want to learn what, what, the, what those people have. And so badly we need this because our world is being torn apart by demonization and, and division. And, and not, not just our world, but, but our families also. Uh, we, we need something that brings us back together. There's this new thing going on in, in record numbers that, that's not a, not a good thing. Uh, and uh, what's happening in our culture is that they're finding families are coming apart in, in a way that, that families used to, to not come apart. And that is that adult children are increasingly cutting off communication with their adult parents. And I, I know sometimes trauma goes on in families and you have to set legitimate boundaries. But they said the reason it's happening is for a new reason uh, because the adult parents don't necessarily agree with every decision that their child has made uh, or something, some way the child sees the world. And so the child cuts them off because the child feels like they are completely rejecting their identity uh, by, by not uh, uh, agreeing with them. I, I want to tell you, uh, there, there's something we, you, you need to know. Your parents will not agree with everything you do. Their parents did not agree with everything they did. Uh, the, our parents were raised in a different world than we were. We were raised in a different world uh, than, than our kids were. Our, our unity can't be based on agreeing and affirming everything about one another, or, or we, we won't have any, because at, at some point it will break down. I remember my mother told me one time uh, when I was 20, uh, after I'd calmed down a little bit and been out of home for a few years, she goes, you know, when you were 16... Your dad thought you hated him. And I was like, what? My dad was my hero. He's still my hero. He's the one I want to be like more than anybody else in the world other than Jesus. How did he think I, I hated him? I was just 16 and I thought my job as a 16 year old was to see how much I could get away with. And I was good at my job. 
I was really good at, I was gifted. Uh, well, sometimes we have these things that, that don't, don't need to separate, but we see the world differently. My dad was a preacher. If my dad came to worship today, I can tell you, I know my dad. I guarantee you, I could craft a sermon that would thrill my dad's heart. And I guarantee you, I won't do it. And here's why, because he's got a different style than me. He likes sermons being presented in a different way than I think is the most effective way to, to present one. Uh, and, uh, you know, if, if he, same thing, if, if I heard him, pre so our, our unity isn't based on, you know, exactly how we agree on everything. And I know there's much more serious stuff, stuff than that. Uh, and I know sometimes boundaries have to be set, but, but friends, uh, we have to have an identity that we have as Christians that's so much deeper than our opinions, that's so much deeper uh, on agreements or disagreements about life choices. We have to have an identity in Christ who loved us even when we turned away from him. And that identity gives us the ability to be grateful for and see God in even people who disagree with us and stay in loving relationship with even people who di disagree with us. I remember uh, there was a Roman Catholic priest who was uh, sentenced to one of the concentration camps ultimately died there during world war ii for for helping uh tried, trying to help jews escape from the Nazi occupation and there he developed a ministry to the guards he'd ask about the guards families uh he'd, he'd say prayers with them he'd ask what they were going through and they'd interview these guards after after it was all over and after they could look back and see what they were really a part of because many of them were were young men following orders and, and they kind of had an idea this is wrong but they didn't understand the full scale of it sometimes and they they just said we now we think about it and we think about what this man did and we can't make sense of it we can't figure it out the love of Jesus Christ turned the world upside down. And the love of Jesus Christ is still turning the world upside down if we will allow him to live in us and work through us. I've got a question for you. It's a question I ask myself a lot. When the world looks at today's Christians, does, do they see devotion, unity, gratitude, generosity? When the world looks at our church and at the, the church throughout uh, the world is is this what they see and friends uh, when I look at Concord United Methodist Church and when I think about uh, why we see more and more people each Sunday coming to Concord United Methodist Church I think this has a lot to do with it uh, when uh, new people come to the church I ask them hey what what brought you here and a number of them will say you know uh, you have churches where they just all think exactly alike and Concord was a place where you were allowed to think and you respect one another and you recognize that people are going to have different opinions and come at some issues differently, but you're going to find a way uh, to love God and love each other and serve together. And I want to be a part of a place like that because there just aren't enough of those places. Uh, you know, my grandparents would have told you having a church like that was common sense, but our world's changed. Uh, and now what used to be common sense is radical, but that's okay. We serve a God who was radical enough that his followers turned the world upside down. And I know when we ask these questions, I know sometimes we look and we say, well, oh, we could, you know, we could do so much more because we see the standard uh, that, that Jesus has set. And we can, I can, you can, we, we can, but God's already doing so much beauty in our midst. So as you learn to see with new eyes, and even as you notice what in your life, uh, what in our church, what, what needs to be different so that we can spread the love of God even more, 
don't forget to give God thanks. Don't forget to live a life of devotion and unity and gratitude and generosity because of all we can see and all the beauty that we never would have known if it weren't for Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Gracious Lord, we want to see as you see so that we can love as you loved. Thank you for seeing us not as lost causes, not, not as people uh, to be given up on, uh, not as simply those who have turned away and rejected you, but as children of God, as people in desperate need of your love and of your grace, uh, as people with the image of God inside of us, uh, with beauty beyond our wildest imaginings. Uh, Lord, help us to see others this way. Teach us, O oh Lord, to live lives of devotion and unity, uh, gratitude and generosity, uh, that when others look at us, uh, they might see uh, your life-changing power, uh, your power that turned the world upside down. We pray this in your name. And we all said together, Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.